0: You are locked on balls, your daily Tennessee Volunteers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Balls, your team every day. My name is Josh Ward. Thank you for being here today. As we begin another week, Tennessee is still looking for an offense coordinator, but that search should be coming to a close soon. I'm going to get to that on today's show. In segment number one, I'm going to lead with Tennessee basketball because what a day it was on Sunday. The offensive coordinator search is a big part of what's going on with Tennessee, and I'm going to get to that. Segment number two, Patrick Brown of Govalls 247 is going to stop by and get some of his thoughts on where this thing might be focused here at the end. But with that win for Tennessee's men's basketball team on Sunday, I think I've got to start the show there. So I'll talk about the win over Gonzaga, what that can mean for Tennessee's basketball team moving forward this season the incredible performance by Admiral Schofield down the stretch. You'll hear from him in just a moment as well. I'll get to that here in segment number one. It was a big day for both the men's and women's basketball teams because while Tennessee beat number one Gonzaga, the Lady Vols, who are still undefeated, got a win over number 12 Texas. So Tennessee's men's and women's basketball teams, both in the top 10, the only men's and women's combo for any school in the country to both be in the top 10. Both got wins over top 15 teams on Sunday. It was a good day for Tennessee. We'll get to that, the coaching search, and then a few notes to tell you about. There's a transfer to tell you about on the defensive side for Tennessee's football team. I'll get to that in segment number three right here on Locked On Vols. Your team every day, five days a week, catching up on what's going on with Tennessee's football team, basketball, Tennessee athletics, on Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, the third-party apps as well. So Tennessee trailed for a good bit in the second half against Gonzaga. The Bulldogs, I think, showed their offensive strength there in the first half to create a lead. The Vols came back, though. It actually took a one-point lead going into the half as Jordan Bowden hit a big shot. I thought that was really important for Tennessee to show that it could stand up to those punches that were shown by the number-one team in the first half. In the second half, there was more firepower from Gonzaga as they continued to hit big shots. Hachimura showed why he is such a well-thought-of player. He had 21 points, so did Brandon Clark, but Admiral Schofield kept responding. Admiral Schofield finished with 30 points for Tennessee. He hit six of 10 three-point shots in the game, including what ended up being the game-winning shot with less than a minute to go. He hit a three to go up. Tennessee gets a defensive stop. And they win the basketball game after another shot from Hatchamur at the end was no good. How about these notes from Grant Ramey, who was covering the game for Goval's 247? Admiral scored Tennessee's last 11 points. They were all after Grant Williams fouled out. Grant fouled out. Somebody had to step up. And Admiral, who at that point had already stepped up in a big way, continued to do that. He scored the last 11 points. For Tennessee. It was a career high for Admiral with 30 points. He matched his previous career high of 25 points in the second half. In the first half, things weren't going Admiral's way as much offensively, but in the second half, he had 10 of 17 field goal attempts, 5 of 8 three. So, five of his six threes that he made came in the second half. He had six rebounds, four of them offensive. He had a big offensive rebound and put back and was showing the emotion on the court. He was talking back and forth a little bit with Gonzaga it was just a monster performance from Admiral after the game the Tennessee basketball Twitter account showed a video of Rick Barnes talking to the team in the post-game locker room and telling Admiral that Rick thought about the work that Admiral had put in in the gym and him coming back that's the kind of difference that Admiral Schofield returning makes for Tennessee if he's not back Tennessee's obviously not winning that game if Admiral's not back this season for his senior year then Tennessee's not a top five to top ten team right now. Tennessee's going to jump back into the top five. Seth Davis from The Athletic had Tennessee at number two in his rankings with Kansas number one, which makes sense. The Jayhawks are undefeated and have a head-to-head win over Tennessee. So Seth Davis has Tennessee as the number two team in the country. The Vols went into the game ranked number seven. They're going to jump up in the polls and should be in the top five after that kind of win over Gonzaga. Handing the Bulldogs their first loss of the season. Now, that number one in front of Gonzaga, that is a big deal. And really, I think it's a long term impact for Tennessee. Getting the win right now, it helps with headlines, it helps with the polls, but they don't mean that much in terms of what Tennessee's trying to do. Has no impact on Tennessee and the SEC. And for the NCAA tournament, the polls aren't a factor there. But it helps validate Tennessee, it can help with Tennessee's confidence, and it can be big for the resume. But After the game on ESPN, when Admiral Schofield was interviewed, he was asked about getting a win against the number one team in the country. Here's Sean Farnham from ESPN asking Admiral about the big win for the Vols over Gonzaga.
1: Well, honestly, for us, it was just another game. Um, But, you know, the number in front makes it special. Uh, But for us, you know, we worked really hard. Didn't get Kansas, but it's great to get the number one team in the country. But that's just a stepping stone. You know, we got to keep improving. Some more big games to come. Um, We didn't look at this as a big game. This is another game, but we prepared well, came out and executed. You told me yesterday you're tired of playing in these type of games and being told it's a learning experience for this team. Yes, sir. Well, now you finally got one. Yeah. How does that feel? It feels great. You know, to talk about it, but to actually go out and do it is amazing. It's a great feeling. I know Coach Barnes is happy. You know, he
0: really wanted this one. So, you know, my teammates, I mean, I, I love those guys, man. Admiral Schofield game on ESPN, Tennessee winning 76-73. to It's also a win for Tennessee in maybe a way I didn't necessarily expect. I thought Tennessee was probably going to have to score more points to win. Give credit to Tennessee's defense for holding the Zags to 73 points. Gonzaga entered the game scoring on average 88 points versus major conference opponents. The Vols held the Zags to 73. That's 15 points below their major conference average. You might think, well, how many have they played? Five teams in major conferences. Plus, Gonzaga put up 103 against Creighton, which is not a major conference team, but it's a good basketball program, and the Zags put up 103 in that game. The Vols held Gonzaga to 73 on Sunday. Defense is going to be a big deal for Tennessee. Tennessee also needed a big-time quality win. The Vols are going to play a tough schedule. The schedule will help Tennessee when it comes to tournament time. But you know, the SEC actually has not had the best non-conference start. Kentucky lost to Seton Hall over the weekend. So the SEC is needed to see its resume boosted a little bit. Tennessee helped with that. So having a win head-to-head against Gonzaga could help the Vols when it comes to seeding time in the tournament. The Zags are going to be right up there. They're going to be battling for number one, number two seed, number two, number three. Having a head-to-head win, neutral site, can help Tennessee in that regard so the Vols needed that for the resume coming up next you have Memphis you have Wake Forest before SEC play begins but this was the last really big opportunity for Tennessee before Tennessee faces Georgia in January and then I, I thought Jordan Bowden had a nice game three of seven from three as very important for Tennessee coming off the bench as they continue to play without Lamonte Turner I, I think he's really important for what the Vols are going to do moving forward I've brought that up on the show a few times but Bowden provided 11 points for Tennessee off the bench hitting three threes and hit that two at the end of the first half long range two that was really important for Tennessee as well also Admiral hitting that three to win in regulation that might have been really important if Tennessee had to go into overtime it could have won the game but it would have been playing overtime without Grant Williams just like it had to do against Kansas a few weeks ago that didn't work out for Tennessee so getting the win in regulation might have been really important considering one of Tennessee's most important players wouldn't have been available for that final five minutes so Tennessee gets the win 76 to 73 over Gonzaga you get national headlines you get more respect around the country you build your confidence beating that kind of team it's a fun and likable basketball team And the Vols are really good. It's going to be a fun season, I think, for Tennessee fans to follow this team. I've said that before. I'll repeat it here again. So Tennessee, 76-73. to We'll find out later today how high the Vols will move up in the polls with a win against the previous number one ranked team in the country. You are listening to Locked On Vols, your team every day, So shifting from basketball to football, coming up in just a moment, Patrick Brown of GoVols247.com. His thoughts on Tennessee's offensive coordinator search. Who are the final names to watch here as Jeremy Pruitt tries to close this search out? and find his replacement for Tyson Helton. I'll get to that right here on Locked On Vols, your team every day. And today's show is presented by Sling TV. You can go to slingtv.com slash locked on and take advantage of a free trial. And here's what you find with Sling TV, the channels you want to watch. If you pull up your current TV lineup and see a bunch of channels that you never use, you just want to watch college football, college basketball going on right now. You want to watch ESPN, the SEC, the Pac-12, and more, you can get that with Sling TV. You don't deal with contracts. There are no hidden fees. You can cancel at any time. For only $30 a month, Sling TV gives the TV to you that you want to watch. You can stream to your flat screen TV or favorite viewing device. And again, you can get a 7-day free trial right now by going to Sling.com slash LockedOn. That's S-L-I-N-G dot slash Locked On. You get a seven-day free trial. Check it out for yourself. See if you like it. Go to sling.com slash locked on. So I want to welcome to the show now Patrick Brown of GoVols247.com. Patrick, thank you for the time. Patrick covers Tennessee football and has been busy covering this Tennessee offensive coordinator search. Patrick, we're at about two weeks now since we found out Tyson Elton's going to Western Kentucky and that Jeremy Pruitt had a vacancy there to fill. Do you think, though, that we are close to seeing the search wrapped up with Jeremy Pruitt finding his offensive coordinator? Where do things stand?
1: I think we could be, Josh. And uh, at, the, at the time of recording this, I, I think Pruitt is still, um, I don't know he's reached a decision, but I think one could be coming soon. Uh, as, as we reported on, on, on Sunday, uh, on Friday, Pruitt met with, with three potential uh, candidates, uh, Houston's Kendall Bryles, uh, Oklahoma State's Mike Yersich, and uh, UCF quarterbacks coach uh, Jeff Levy. Now, looks like Bryles uh, is more than likely going to end up at, at Florida State. I don't believe Tennessee offered him the job at any point, um, and, and people that we've spoken with believe that uh, Florida State was going to offer him and, and that he was likely to accept that that was the case, so... Um, that leaves uh, your sitch Who's been at Oklahoma State for the past five seasons? Uh, had a lot of prolific offenses, put up a lot of points over there in Stillwater. Um, good quarterbacks, coach. I think they, uh, I think Oklahoma State went six and six this season, but they were playing a walk on at quarterback, and they still have one of the better offenses uh, statistically in, in college football. And obviously, uh, that's some that's some really big wins. It seemed like Oklahoma State went toe to toe with Oklahoma and beat West Virginia, but they lost some of the other bad teams in the Big Twelve, but. Uh, and Levy's an interesting guy. Uh, UCF, uh, obviously, they put up a lot of big points too. He's done a good job uh, with quarterbacks down there. Uh, he and Josh Heupel, uh go back a ways to, to when they played in, at Oklahoma. Uh, and Heupel and, and, and Levy kind of split the play calling, uh, as far as I know. UCF doesn't really—I don't think they have an offensive coordinator listed, uh, but I think Levy is pretty close to that. So uh, those are the three guys that they that, that Jeremy Pruitt met with on Friday, and uh, I think he's kind of getting close to, to maybe throwing out an offer or two and, and maybe making a decision on, on which direction he wants to go.
0: Patrick, what do you think Jeremy Pruitt might like about Mike Yursich there at uh, at Oklahoma State? That Their offense has had success. What questions might Jeremy Pruitt ask about that offense or Yursich coming from most recently with the Big 12 into the SEC if he were to be the guy?
1: Well, I think it's fascinating that, that he was considering Bryles and Yursich to kind of Big 12 or uh, guys with Big 12 experience, and, and, and people wonder, you know, can can you bring that kind of offense uh, that, that kind of spread the field uh, up-tempo offense and, and win in the SEC, and, and there's been a couple of examples that you could, uh, you know, Hugh Freeze did some of those up-tempo things at, at Ole Miss and, and Josh Heifel before he got the UCF job, um, you know, had a couple of years with, with Drew Locke that were pretty, uh, they were putting up a lot of points and a lot of yards um, and going really fast, and so uh, I, I think that's intriguing. Uh, I think Jeremy Pruitt wants to find a guy that he can trust and somebody that he can uh, leave the offense in in that in that coach's hands, and, and he can focus on the defense and doesn't have to uh, kind of be I don't want to say meddling, but uh, he doesn't have to worry about how the offense is being coached and what direction they're going in. And uh, it'll be interesting to see if uh, I, I think he wants an offense that puts up a lot of points. And you wonder, um, you know, can a typical offense in, in this league? You know, the concern with it is that you put your defense at a disadvantage. And I think there's some truth to that, but. Uh, I think Pruitt's confident that he can get a defense that can handle that. Um, you know, we've seen Alabama sort of adapt their offensive uh, schemes and the way they, they do things on offense. So uh, I think Pruitt wants a guy that he can trust and a guy that's going to put up points, and, and that's why I think he's um, going after a couple of guys that have been involved with offenses that are in the top 10 and top 15 of, of, of the national rankings in total offense and scoring this year. So um, I, I think that's the – direction he wants to go and it seems like those are the kind of guys he's targeted he's targeted and, and it seems like he he likes the RPO stuff you know he talks a lot about the Missouri game about how if you've got a quarterback that can kind of control things at the line of scrimmage you really put a defense at a disadvantage uh when, when you see how the defense is lining up and you can kind of do two different things off of it based on what your quarterback reads uh and if if you got favorable numbers in the box you can run it uh and if you've got the defense with a load in the box and playing one-on-one outside you can take advantage of those matchups so uh, I think he's sort of looking for maybe a combination of, of a little bit of those two things. And um, I, I, it's, it'll, it'll be interesting to see because he's, you know, he's obviously a defensive minded coach comes from, uh, you know, we kind of look at him as this hard nosed physical, uh, he wants to play physical smash off football, but some of the guys he's looking at maybe aren't necessarily, they don't have that kind of notion, even though those teams, I'm sure UCF and, uh, and Houston and even Oklahoma state, they've been pretty good on the ball too. So, uh, I think he's looking for uh, sort of a – you can kind of see the, the direction that he's kind of wanting to go uh, with this with this hire.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. And, and Jeremy Pruitt has talked about the need, and I think he says it's almost mandatory if you're going to win in the SEC. You have to be able to run the football even if they expect you to. Uh, last thing, Patrick Brown, govals 247com As I mentioned, it's been about two weeks that this search has gone on. But is there anything to that? Uh, the, the reason I asked, there was the Hugh Freeze you know, talk that was out there for several days. But with Jeremy Pruitt, it, it seemed that he wanted to talk to several candidates. Do you think this has gone close to the timeline that maybe he would have expected it to in, in trying to find Tyson Elton's replacement?
1: I, I don't know. I haven't gotten the sense that Pruitt has been too concerned about how much time uh, it's is taking. I think he is confident in the way that his staff can recruit. And a lot of people have wondered... Um, you know how, how can you go out on the recruiting trail a couple of weeks before the early signing period uh, and, and land anybody of note without an offensive coordinator and obviously uh, the the counterpoint to that is that they got one of the top quarterbacks in the 2020 class to commit and Harrison Bailey without one uh, and, and so I, I don't know that Tyson Helton other than, than Brian Mauer, the quarterback they've got committed now uh, wasn't you know didn't have a lot of recruits tied to him so when he left that wasn't uh, it was maybe a minimal recruiting impact. You know, Maurer had some questions, but I think Pruitt went in home with, with that visit, I think, either earlier this past week or maybe. You know, so some of these days run together at this point now, but sort of calm some of those questions that Maurer had. But um, I, I think he, he knows that he needs to get this higher right going into his second year. He knows um, that they need to get better offensively. And I think that he can uh, maybe learn some lessons uh, about what went. Uh, kind of what happened this season, and in which direction he wants to go, where he wants to take this offense, and uh, I think he wants to find somebody that's the right fit, someone that's the right um, sort of something that he has a comfort level with. where, as I mentioned earlier, he can leave the ha- leave the offense in the hands of that coach, and he can go focus on, on defense and recruiting and some of those things. So uh, I don't get the sense that this search is maybe going as, as bad as you know the perception may suggest it is, or some of the reactions have been. Uh, I think Pruitt's been very deliberate in researching candidates. I think he's talked to a lot of coaches. Um, He's been thorough in this process uh, and he knows he needs to get it right. Now I'm sure he wants to have one in in sooner rather than later, but I haven't gotten the sense that he's uh, really trying to rush it. I don't know, frankly, I don't know how many guys they've really actually offered the job to. So uh, I think he's been selective and thorough and um, you know, it's maybe tested the patience of the fan base a little bit. Uh, And obviously there's been, you know, a lot of information thrown out that maybe wasn't entirely, uh, you know, entirely factual, but, um, and that's sort of gotten some, you know, the fan base excited or excitable a little bit. So, but I think he's been thorough and I think he's kept us pretty close to the vest, And, uh, and I think he's getting close to a decision. And I think he, if he, if he finds the, the coach that he wants, whether it's one of these three guys or whether it's not, uh, I think he wants to make sure more than anything that he gets this higher ride. And frankly, I mean, if you get the right hire, you know, one week into the search or a month later, it's as long as you get the right hire. That's what's important. So, and I think Pruitt knows that.
0: Yeah, I agree with that totally. He is Patrick Brown. He's covering the coaching search and everything going on with Tennessee football at Govols247.com. Go there to read his coverage. You can follow him on Twitter as well at PBrown247. Patrick, I appreciate the time as always. No problem. Thanks, Josh. So Tennessee should be getting closer to hiring an offensive coordinator, and what we were talking about there at the end I do think that Jeremy Pruitt said and I'm going to take my time I'm going to talk to several coaches here Hugh Freeze got a lot of attention for a few days I mean this time last week I think he was considered the favorite to land the Tennessee job and then some other offense coordinator positions came open at Alabama at Auburn at Florida State and he didn't end up at any of those schools Hugh Freeze was introduced on Friday afternoon as the head coach at Liberty So I think several schools said, let's talk to some coaches here. Florida State might be hiring Kendall Bryles today. It it could happen that way. But it will have been at least a week for Florida State and for Auburn and for Alabama. So Tennessee taking a little bit longer, not that big of a deal. If you would have seen those other schools fill their vacancies immediately, I think it would have made sense to ask, okay, what's going on at Tennessee? Why is it taking so long? But none of those schools jumped in. To making a hire and at Auburn maybe it's not as easy to find a coach to come in to that school right now with questions about Gus Malzahn's future in that football program Alabama doesn't need to rush into it and Florida State may be taking its time talking to Hugh Freeze and deciding to go in a different direction as well and both schools Tennessee and Florida State talking to Kendall Briles at Houston so we'll see what happens but I do think soon that Jeremy Pruitt will have his offense coordinator in place And the bigger focus will be on closing out the recruiting class as next Wednesday will be the early signing period. It'll be Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday next week. And then, of course, there is the signing day in February as well. But a lot of the class will be done next Wednesday. Tennessee didn't have the best week last week as some of the top targets like Owen Papo and some Georgia commits decided to uh, at least say publicly that they're going to stick with their commitments. Doesn't mean everything's over with Papo or Bill Norton. or uh, I, I think Tresman Marshall's the real player to pay attention to, the linebacker that's committed to Georgia. But yeah, Nolan Smith was always a long shot. Zion Logue saying that he's sticking with Georgia. He's an in-state player, so is Bill Norton. And then over the weekend, Shaffrey Brown, the wide receiver, who I mentioned last week, he committed to North Carolina, a speedster from Charlotte that I thought was a player to watch with Tennessee. The Vols had been in pretty good shape with him for a while, He decides to stay in state and go to North Carolina, where where his brother goes, and that's a factor there as well. But Mac Brown closing that one up quickly, so he's off the board, makes Jalen Ellis probably more important to watch. Eric Gray is a very important target for Tennessee to try to add some offensive firepower next season. And then Darnell Wright is priority number one. He's a February So Tennessee will continue to battle schools like Alabama and Georgia for Darnell Wright from Huntington, West Virginia. There's a lot of work to be done. Tennessee's trying to find defensive line help. As the week goes along, I'll try to catch you up on where Tennessee stands with some of its top targets, especially for next week's signing period. Darnell Wright's very important, but you have a couple of months to go almost with him and his final decision. So where Tennessee stands heading into next Wednesday's early signing period, I'll get to that over the next few days, along with the offensive coordinator search. I'd say right now, Tennessee fans probably want to just celebrate that win over Gonzaga, and I would say do it. Tennessee has Memphis coming up on Saturday. That's going to be a big one just because of the history there with those two programs, but if Tennessee goes in there and and plays well, it should win that game. It's year one with Penny Hardaway. It's more about the attraction of the matchup, I think, than the level of the opponent. Beating Gonzaga was a big deal. Beating the number one team in the country was a big deal for Tennessee basketball and something for Tennessee fans to celebrate. So enjoy that. Uh, It's a, I said earlier, likable team, great personality. And the Tennessee basketball team over the last year or two has really done a good job of connecting with Tennessee fans. I think Tennessee fans feel like they've gotten to know these players a lot over the last couple of years, and that has helped as well. Last year's story of being picked 13th in the SEC and then sharing the sec regular season title with auburn was an incredible story and then to build off that to be a preseason top 10 team have this win over gonzaga ahead of sec play tennessee could win the sec again this year i think right now tennessee is probably the favorite to do that you know several weeks into the season i think tennessee and auburn right now through non-conference play would be your top two teams kentucky Hasn't shown much. Kentucky's going to be fine. Kentucky's going to be a really tough team to beat in SEC play, but it has work to do to get there. Tennessee is is closer to being where it wants to be, I think, this season. A lot of work for the Vols to do, but there is a lot to celebrate, a lot to feel good about with Tennessee's basketball team and its program. Also, one more note before I go. I mentioned at the beginning of the show about a transfer. Mark Will Osborne announced on Friday that he is leaving Tennessee. He is a cornerback who... Didn't live up to all that he probably hoped to accomplish at Tennessee, having been an All-American cornerback from Charlotte. Had the two interceptions in that win against Kentucky and started to come on and maybe showed signs that he could help Tennessee moving forward, but he has decided to move on and play elsewhere for his final season of eligibility. I would also say Mark Will is the latest transfer from Tennessee, not the last. Who will be next? How many players will end up leaving Tennessee I think those are the questions to ask, but Mark Will Osborne and Will McBride, both here in the last week or so, have announced that they are transferring from Tennessee. Who might be next is something to pay attention to as going from year one to year two, there will be some reshaping of Tennessee's football roster. Locked on Vols is available every single day on Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify. If you have time to rate and review the show, five-star reviews are always appreciated. Thanks to everybody who's left a rating and review so far. I'm on Twitter, at Josh underscore Ward. Feel free to send me a question and or comment for the show anytime you like. Thanks so much for hanging out today, and I'll see you here tomorrow.